Welcome back to the Low Bottom High Rise Podcast. Nothing gives me more joy than just sharing incredible stories with you guys. And we've got one today. Miss Helen Hall from Blender Bombs. If you are in really anywhere in the country, but especially in Charleston, South Carolina, you probably have heard of Helen and you've probably had some of her blender bombs and some of her other products. This story and this woman are just absolutely knock your socks off incredible. The thing I love about Helen is she's so freaking cool. She's so chill and unassuming, yet she has built a huge brand. I mean, we're talking epic level proportions and it all started in her apartment while she was in college. So we're going to dig in. We get to listen to her story about how Blender Bombs came to be, what her philosophies are on nutrition, and where Blender Bombs is headed next. But let's just jump in. Yeah? Yeah. I mean, we don't have a topic, which I love, <laughs> kind of par for the course on this, on this podcast, but I'm so excited just to connect with you mainly. But like, be able to have this conversation for everybody. Right. Um, so what I kind of always ask in the beginning, I'm always so interested in people's stories. So like twofold, if you were to answer like in a quick elevator pitch or synopsis, like who is Helen Hall? Like, how would you answer that? I would say that, um, I'm an entrepreneur that did not go to business school. <laughs> I've made so many mistakes, but I also feel like I kind of got really lucky in my main business that I started, Blender Bombs. It's it's so unique. It's like a category king. There's no there's no real competition in the space yet about you know a smoothie booster, like a energy ball specifically designed for smoothies. But so my life revolved around smoothies for a long time for probably from college like end of college when I was losing my college weight that's when I got into smoothies and then I built the company for the first like two three years and now it's really transitioning more to learning about like being in a leadership CEO role and learning more about like the business side of things rather than just bootstrapping it but more strategy yeah so my personal life and my business life are the same (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> totally get that as any successful entrepreneur, right? It's like so often people are thinking like, well, how many hours are you really working? And you're like, you can't define that when you're building a business. It's you can't even it's, ask yourself that question. No, like it's all the same. It's all the same. Oh, um, so I want to know when you, so like you started making smoothies after college so you could lose the college weight. Yeah, and then senior year of college, at what point did you think like, I'm going to turn this into a business? And what did that look like? And how many years ago was that? Yeah, that was in 2015 is when I was in college and senior year of college started making smoothies. So I kept making them. I did Shakeology for a little bit, um, 2016. And then like, I just leadership wasn't a thing for me at that point ever. So I got out of that. And then in 2017 is when I came, I became a personal trainer and started getting my clients to make smoothies. But the yeah. problem was smoothies are very difficult to make. Um, the water to ice to like fruit ratio can scare people and like, yes, <laughs> and yeah. people have an innate like fear of failure. So they just don't make smoothies in the first place. But so I started giving them 
the recipes to make, they wouldn't do it because it was way too many ingredients. So I took like all the dry ingredients and rolled them into a ball and like held them together with a date and some honey and then started having them add that to their smoothies with just fruit and water. And that was it. Wow. And then they started making the smoothies and like saw a huge change in their cravings and their nutrition and just like it's starting a domino effect of like you do one healthy thing a day then you want to do a second and a third and blah 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 so I started the business in 2017 because my clients like wives and friends started asking for the blender bombs that is so like so crazy like what a wild thought I mean you just like randomly thought of I'm gonna mix this together throw it into a ball and like give them to my clients and Lo and behold, you have like a gigantic company now that's like all over the place. It's all over the place in the Southeast. We still got to expand. That's why we're doing the capital raise. But if it had been like protein powder that I was giving my clients or something else like that, it wouldn't have blown up because that category has already been established. Right. Right. So I love that you recognize that at such a young age. It's like, what is, um, <laughs> it was an accident. Well, yeah, yeah. Like so much of our success, right? Like we happen upon it. There's something, um, oh my gosh, what is his name? Um, the click funnels, Russell Brunson. He mm-hmm. talks about like the blue sea, right? I think it's called the blue sea. And he's like talking about, you know, you have to go into a market that's not already saturated. Like you said, I mean, it's, I'm just sitting here thinking about, because I've made smoothies like my whole life and, you know, bowls and things like that. And you're right. Like this is a completely untapped market. Mm -hmm. There's no company that, so the way that I like to describe the company is if you, if you want to make a salad, a meal replacement, you're not just going to have a bed of lettuce with dressing. Like that's going to keep you full for 30 minutes. But you add the protein, you add like shrimp or avocado or tofu or chicken on top. You add like a crunch, whether it's, you know, walnuts or taco strips or croutons. You add the dressing and then you add something sweet, whether it's, you know, feta cheese or cranberries or something like that. And then that's what makes a salad and meal replacement. But no one's ever taken that concept for breakfast category like smoothies oatmeal bowls and yogurts so that's why we've got the blender bomb which is the protein and the substance the drizzle which is the dressing it's like a date-based dressing and then the granola which is the crunch because you have to chew things sometimes like when you first get started on smoothies they won't keep you full because you need to make the chewing motion so you want something crunchy in there so you just put granola on top and then we've got the bomb butter which is like the sweet like cheese that you add to your smoothie Oh, amazing. Amazing. That is so, I mean, I, I totally like get all of that from like a mind standpoint, you know, cause I've gone through that process where it's like, I'm just going to do smoothies. And then you're like, I just want to choose something, you know? I know. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's and I think so often when people are trying to clean up their nutrition, they strip so much away. I mean, it's just the typical, like, it's what happens to everyone. They take so much out of their diet that they're eating plain oatmeal for breakfast or a cup of yogurt. And it's like, well, then you're starving and then you're going to binge and then you're going to end up in that cycle over and over again. I lived in it for years. Yeah, I did too. The binge eating cycle, like it was horrible, but now you probably are the same. Like you're eating more and you're eating more substance and more calories, but you're not like gaining weight. Yeah. Yeah. There is just for 
listeners, like there is a freedom out there that you can find. I always used to think of um, like little vials, like in the chemistry lab, you know, and it's like, like when you fill up all those vials with like enough healthy fat, enough chewing, enough protein, enough carbohydrate, like when all of those are filled, you have no hunger, you have no cravings, you have no desire. It's not that you're just able to say no to like all the bad food. You're, you just don't want it. You know, like you are full. Yeah. (laughs) So you, have you ever seen that? It's like, I guess it's viral on social media, but it's three stomachs, like empty stomachs. And one has 400 calories of oil. One has 400 calories of meat and one has 400 calories of vegetable and vegetables. And it just shows you the fiber, like, which is what keeps you full and satiated. So oil takes up one twentieth of your stomach. Chicken will take up like one fourth and then the vegetables take up like 70%. So if you want to fill your stomach, you do that sort of 80, 20 sort of thing where like most of your plate is fruits and veggies or veggies. And then you've got, you know, 20% meat or tofu or whatever type of diet you have. Yeah. You're full that way. And how many people are out there trying to eat like keto, which is like filling a 20th of their stomach? No, it works. Keto. I lost so much weight with keto, but I was miserable. And then I started binging and then I gained it all back. (laughs) Yeah. I, I, I think any, and I'm not like totally opposed to like, I get that. Like I have some clients who, um, like one of my clients has an epileptic daughter mm-hmm. and that diet, that keto diet is like so incredibly good for her. And so there's absolutely places for it, but I just believe that whenever you strip anything completely out of your diet, you're going to end up binging no matter what. Yeah. Whenever you strip anything out of your like life, you're gonna yeah. end up binging. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, well, tell me like how then, like, what's the evolution of Blender Bombs? Like you started this little business, you're probably selling them to your clients in like baggies, right? <laughs> I would sell them in Ziploc baggies for, and again, I was a fashion merchandising major in the South, like, which is not a fashionable area. So I really didn't right. learn anything in school. So, <laughs> so I definitely didn't know anything about business. So I was... I was selling them for the same price that it was costing me. Oh my God. Calculating my time. I was not calculating anything. I was just like charging people for personal training, but this is something they got with personal training. And I didn't even like charge them for it. But then when other people who were my clients started asking for it, I was still selling it for cost to them because I didn't understand the value of time. And then more and more people started asking for it. Like people were DMing my personal Instagram asking for it. That's when I had to sit down and like do the math. And I really like math. So that was no problem. And I started selling it maybe for like a smaller markup than I should have. I don't know what the exact percent was, but I was selling 10 for $18. Yeah. And I was making no money when I included my time. I think that with that price, I was including my time. Yeah. And when I, I started a Shopify website and more like random people started ordering, that's when I upped them to $25 for 10 because I had to include labor and packaging yeah. in there. But it took me like six months to be able to figure out what the proper cost should be. So now there's still that cost. Our CFO wants to do a price increase, but I'm like, these things are already pricey. We can't, we can't up them yet. Uh, let's figure out how to get the volume higher so we can get it down. So I grew the company. We did... Just me, myself, and my assistant, the first like 
14 months, we did a million dollars in sales out of my apartment. What? Helen, no freaking way. Yes. That it was so you're like making blender bombs in your apartment with your assistant mm-hmm. and you do a million dollars. Yes. And I had saved so much money. I had probably saved like, I probably saved like $400,000 at that point. And I grew up like, I did not have more than $300 in my bank account at one time ever. Yeah. And the company started with $300 in my bank account. I love um, that. And so, but I was so scared of spending money. I didn't know what to do with it. So I just like kept it all away to figure out like what I needed to do with it. Um, And then I started using it to hire people. So I started hiring people. I hired the guy I was dating at the time, which was a mistake. (laughs) Because (laughs) it was never a real good idea. (laughs) Oh, that did not work. And we... I was traveling a lot for pop-ups because that's like how we were doing our marketing at the time because I wasn't spending any money on marketing. Um, I'm glad I was super stingy. So we, the first thing that I read, I really invested in besides like human capital, besides people was an RV, like 34 foot RV, because I was, again, like I love math and I love numbers and I've always been very there for the most part, but I was calculating how much money I was spending on Airbnbs and like travel. And then I was like, if we invest in a bus that has a, like, it's a billboard for our brand, it's blender bombs all over it. Yeah. And then I realized that after like two and a half years, I would cover the cost of paying for the bus by not having to pay for those Airbnbs and stuff like that. Smart. Extra hotel rooms. So we did that. And, um, I think by every year, the company's grown by like a million dollars, except the only time we didn't have growth was last year. We had, we had small growth growth, but it wasn't crazy growth because all that like $400,000 that I had saved, I put into growing the company. I mean, obviously I paid for my life, like my salary came out of the company as well, but Going into big retail like Whole Foods, Walmart, Costco, it is so crazy expensive. That's what food companies need capital for. It's like, so whole, like, I'm not gonna, Whole Foods, for example, whenever you use the 10% off Prime card, like I pay that 10% off. Right. Yeah. Anytime you go into a big box retailer, you have to pay for the first two to three years for nonstop promotions. So you're like losing money on those on those accounts, but you're never going to sell your company unless you prove sales right. in that retail store. Yeah. You have How did it. you figure all that out? Like, I know when I had my juice company and I mean, it was just so like, try, first we had to figure out how the heck to make juice. Then we had to figure out the next thing that you had to figure out the next thing. You're like Googling stuff, you know, how did you figure out like how to bring it to that level of like big box re- retailers and things like that? I didn't honestly I didn't I relied a lot on some like there's one person on our team who was good at sales so like I just posted on Instagram you know constantly about like trying to get into Whole Foods and then one day after a post like Whole Foods reached out and I don't know they sent an email and they asked us to fly down to Austin to pitch it so then wow. I did have a mentor, sort of like a mentor, a guy in town who had offered to like 
help me with anything as it needed it as we grew. So I started asking him about CPG and which is consumer packaged goods and like getting into retail and how to price it and all that stuff. But I really let the guy, my ex who was handling like the sales side of things, I let him kind of, once I landed the account, I let him do the logistics and operations. (laughs) So I still don't know how to do that stuff. I just know. I get that. I hand off a lot of stuff that I'm like, this is not in my wheelhouse. Somebody else needs to manage it for sure. Um, and that's why I'm doing this capital raise right now. So we're at just shy of $4 million in sales a year, but we need, we have four full-time employees. Like we don't have a sales team. So the capital raises. That's it. Thing. Yeah. Four full-time employees and you're doing 4 million a year. Yeah. And that's all we can afford. Like we can't afford more because margins are so small. Right. 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 I totally get that. Having been in the juice business, like I really get those margins. Um, how did you, what do you do like production wise? Like when did you go from, I mean, you're not still making them in your apartment, right? Like when was that shift? When did, when did that happen and where are you making them now? About six months in, um, after I was like making them and shipping them in my kitchen, I started calling like catering companies to see if any of them would make them for me. And then the first person I called is like the person we worked with for the next, you know, eight, eight months to a year. So she was making them with her like catering team and I was still doing the shipping for a lot of it. And then eventually they took over the shipping and I just paid them hourly. But I, I calculated how long it took me to make a box. And then I calculated how, much it costs me to make like a 10 pack. Mm-hmm. And so I paid them a flat fee per 10 pack that they made That's just because, you know, I can make blender bumps more efficient than someone else. And like, I don't want to pay someone else. Yeah. It's not going to meet that efficiency. So they had they, to- I would think that they might be able to do them more efficiently. Could they in like a catering kitchen? So that kind of helps with like you're outsourcing it. So it's going to cut into your margin, your profit, mm-hmm. but they should be able to produce more quicker. Yeah, they, but then I also had to pay for like the cost of the catering kitchen and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. So I had to include that in there. And then they did all the ordering and everything. And then I knew like we were growing. So I had to find, and I didn't even know what this word was, like a co-packer. But yeah. I just asked everyone like, do you know anyone in the food industry I can talk to? Because I don't even know what this was. And there was this one person I was trying to get in touch with for like three months. I would call him once a week or twice a week. He would never call me back. And finally he answered. And I told him what I was doing. And he was like, you need a co-packer with a VMAG machine. And I it took me like three months to get that one answer. It was like a five minute phone call. So I started Googling co-packer VMAG. And I found one in Charlotte. And the first one I called is like, who still makes them today? Wow. Wow. You're bringing me back to all my juice days with all these, like the co-packer and all this stuff <laughs> And all the nightmares of like, just trying to like figure out what the heck you're doing, you know? And that's like, also what I just want everyone to hear is like successful people don't know what the hell they're doing. They just are really good at figuring it out. (laughs) Yes. That's the thing. You just have this innate sense that like not figuring out is not even an option. Right. Like no matter what, you will figure it out. You will ask as many times as you need to until you get the answer. Yeah, for sure. Resourcefulness. That's like fresh produce and it has a shelf life. Like look, I was lucky because mine was raw. 
Yeah. Don't, and if anyone's listening, don't go into the juice business. <laughs> it's like the hardest business of all time. Even oh though I'm to my friend who has a juice franchise, I can't say the name of it, but they're about to sell their franchise, the entire company, 80% of the company, not the entire company for 70 million. 70 million. God, don't tell me that. And that's and where we were. Years ago. Almost yeah. Like, oh my gosh. Well, hey, that's where Blender Bombs is going, right? I mean, hopefully. Hopefully, once we get through this capital raise. Yeah. So what is the vision? Like, is the vision to sell it at a certain time or remain part owner or on a board? Or what do you think? It depends. Because like, I'll tell you the vision, but to answer that part of the question, I'm you probably feel the same. It's like how I feel about something now could totally change in two years. Like I can't predict how I'm going to feel like as of now, I'll be like, you know, I want to keep it forever, but yeah, who knows what that's going to be like, but what the plan is we bring in capital. We're doing like a three to $3.5 million raise. And we're going to hire, you know, four to five people who have experience growing CPG companies before. So sales to salespeople, um, a COO and then um, some marketing people and like yeah. an operations person to help us get our costs down and such. And the other cool thing about it is so we've got this smoothie bar in town center, which does really well. And we're franchising that, but the smoothie bar, it's a separate LLC, but blender bombs, mm-hmm owns the franchise rights so any franchise smoothie bar from here on out will be owned by blender bombs and we sell it's also a wholesale account so blender bombs sells to the smoothie bar so blender bombs makes money off the smoothie bar but the smoothie bar makes good money in and of itself as well enough for like someone to so if someone wants to franchise it it's be mailbox money as long as they're somewhat like involved with the manager right and then we're going to do a lot of production things. So just like Red Bull is more so a marketing company that sells the really cool products. Like our company is just so unique and it's, there's a lot of production things that we're going to do. So the pot, like kind of like what you've got going on, more podcasts, yeah, more like docu-series types things, like telling our customer stories. Um, I love that. Yeah. So that's what our plan is. That's so badass. Like Mm -hmm. I, and I'm just, my entrepreneurial brain is like exploding with like excitement for you, (laughs) but it's also exploding with like overwhelm of like, you could do this and you could, and I'm sure this is what you feel like every day. You could take it in all these different directions and you probably want to take it in multiple directions, but it's just like you said, it's like, you can't do it all alone. And there's only so much time in a day. If you're looking for some more in-depth training on mindset practices and how to create your vision, how to reverse engineer your goals, how to craft your morning process, all of the things that I'm super passionate about, you guys, the Rise Up course is where it's at. It is literally my lifetime, my mind in a course, every single tip, strategy, and hack that you could possibly ask me about is in this course. So jump into the show notes right below and you'll see the link for the Rise Up course and my Rise Up planner and you guys can rise up with us. Yeah. And at the end of the day, the only thing that will really work is whatever is creating that new category 
I would rather have a company that is at the forefront of a new category than like trying to make other products or other things that have already been established. And like, you have to work 20 times as hard to show face and AdWords or like get on the shelves of a nut butter or something like that. You just, it's the path of least resistance, I guess. And also, you know, more bang for your buck. Yeah. And what a blessing. I mean, what a blessing that like, you just thought about this. I mean, it wasn't like, I don't think you were sitting there trying to come up with like, you know what, I'm going to try to create a brand new food product that's never been created before. That's the first on the market. Like, I love that it was just total. And that's when I feel like, and I have no idea what your faith is and it doesn't really matter, but like, that's when it's just meant to freaking be like, this was so universe divine, whatever you want to call it. Like, it's just your thing, you know, or the word kismet. Yes. Yeah. It's like predetermined destiny, like fate. And there's, and you and I talked about this in our little zoom the other day, but Bunner Moms was the first thing I ever did that was successful. And then I got so in love with like creating new things that, that I wanted to create the smoothie bar. And then I wanted to create 8020, like the cookie and brownie company. And then I wanted to create like tipsy spritzers, which is a drink that I helped co-found. And it's like, there was something about both of those companies, like they were both met with a lot of resistance that I just had to learn to let go. Yeah. Like I don't drink alcohol anymore. Like I rarely drink. So why would I, it was so fun to build it and create it. Like alcohol doesn't make me feel good. So why would I keep doing And that's how I felt. And this is kind of what we were talking about the other day. It's like, that's how I felt with the juice bar. It was like, it was wildly successful and it was hard. It was a hard business. Like I talked about, but it was wildly successful. It was like, it was like getting ready. Like we were on the precipice of like, do we get the co-packer go national, do all this stuff. And it was like killing my soul. And I was like, I, I need to walk away from it. And anyone else in their right mind would have been like, you can't walk away from it. Like you're in debt to it and you've worked all these years. And I'm like, but I got to walk away from it. Like I had to listen to that, like gut calling about what was not aligned for me, you know? And I also hear, gosh, I hear your mind is, I just feel it. Like it's so much like mine. I think it's like the blessing and the curse of being born an entrepreneur. It's like, your mind never stops creating new ideas. And it's so hard to not take every idea and run with it. But if you had done that, you would never have built this to what you built it to. Right. Like I never even would have tried blender bombs if I wasn't like that. But that is a lesson I learned in the last five years as I feel like I've tested the waters in so many different things. And it always still comes back to blender bombs and now that we're bringing on other people's money I had to clear my plate of everything else so like the investors also know that like my focus is on this company as well and like I'm someone yeah. that can trust yeah so let's well tell tell everybody <laughs> so you've got when you said in town center that's here like right in Mount Pleasant South Carolina so that's where your like brick and mortar is and yeah. where is everything else right now like, where are all the blender bombs? <laughs> At Brick and Mortar, we started as a pop-up just to see if it would work. And I remember that. Yeah, I mean, we threw yeah. that together in literally 36 hours from Hobby Lobby. And the new location still is, like, Hobby Lobby-esque. I was on the phone yesterday with people who started, or I was basic kitchen and, you know, post house and all those places. And 
I was like, I need someone. Whenever we do our next move to our location, that needs to be the one that we franchise because this one in town center is not replicable because we threw it together with Hobby Lobby stuff. And there's no flow. Nothing makes sense. But like it does well because the smoothies are good and they're healthy and they're filling, but it could do so much better. Uh, like we could increase our margins more in terms right. of labor if the kitchen flow yeah. was better, stuff like that. Yeah. So I was asking them about that. So they suggested we work with an architect firm. So we're going to, our next location, I think is going to be downtown. I would yeah. love to open up on Sullivan. I would love to open up all these other places, but labor right now, the labor market, I have crazy. to be in college. Otherwise we cannot hire people. Right. Yeah. It and is crazy. So right. Now. We're going to, I'm not going to like put myself through that again. I've learned so much. And then the blender bomb products are in whole foods nationally and walmart in the southeast and um we are online at blenderbombs.com and amazon yeah love amazon yeah amazon makes it ridiculously easy doesn't it like yes just effortless yeah that's Our awesome they're bigger online but like the velocity is better on amazon yeah for sure for sure so it's yeah. like we're promote the products from my Instagram half the time I do Amazon which even though we don't make as much money we get more sales there right right for sure I've definitely run into that with my planner being like on my website and then on Amazon and yeah. everybody just to Amazon I mean I go to Amazon right. multiple times a day it's so crazy especially with kids oh yeah absolutely Oh my gosh. Well, let's wrap with this. What would you say? Because I feel like so many people that listen to this podcast are wanting to create their own business or entrepreneurial, or they have a side hustle. And you and I both know that a lot of them are just like either, I would say, stopped in fear, right? They've got so much fear or they're like comparing themselves or they're just not taking action. And they're not like treating it like if you want a business, you got to treat it like a business. But what would be your advice to those people? Yeah. Um, so like fear is a protection mechanism. It's natural. It's like, it's caused by some sort of trauma you've had in your past that you don't want to make that same mistake again. So the way that people handle fear is one, by avoiding it, which then you get into the cycle of you avoid whatever you're trying to do because you have a fear about it, but then you're not doing anything in the first place. So then you have the fear of failure. So then you never even try. And then people do, like, the second one is by force, like, people try to overcome their fear by just pushing their way through it, but you still haven't gotten down to, like, the root of what's causing that fear in the first place or where the fear comes from. So then the third option is you, like, face the fear head on and you try and, you know, figure out where it comes from and transform it. And personally, like, the only way that I've ever been able to do that is is journaling. Um Having like one-on-one -on -one conversations with a therapist or something like that is also really helpful. But most of the time people aren't going to actually let their guard down with someone else. Like, but when you journal and not just like, not when you just have inner dialogue with yourself, because we're all ADD and we get distracted. But when you journal and you have to put pen to paper, you have time to like process and think through situations and certain situations from your past will come up that you have not thought about in years. And the only way to do that is through journaling. Yeah. So I think journaling and you probably have 80% of people on here probably say journal, but 
but then realistically only 5% of people actually do it. So this is your to journal. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Like five minutes a day. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. It's it's such a like, and, and just think of like stream of consciousness, you know what I mean? Like, don't overthink it. It's just, there is so much power in the written word. I totally agree. It's like, I have a planner and people are always like, when are you going to make it digital? And I'm like, never, never. Because Like that story you posted or TikTok that you posted the other day where it's like, when you're texting someone, then they want to call you. I'm like, like same way. I like texting about most things because I have time to like think through my thoughts. Yes. When I call with someone sometimes I don't think through what I'm going to say and like the right words don't come out. So if it's a really meaningful conversation, I always prefer text. Yeah. Yeah. Same here. Always. Um, so what let's now, I know I said we're going to wrap with that, but let's wrap with this. What's going on in your personal life these days? I got, um, so I was dating that guy for like four years. We lived together. We were engaged. We worked together and it was almost like this kismet thing, like this fate thing. I knew I wasn't supposed to be with him, like, but I forced it in a way. Like I just kind of, which is a good thing about me in a sense, like my happiness comes from myself. It doesn't come from like external things. So no matter where I am, no matter what I'm doing, like I genuinely am happy. And so even in a relationship that isn't the best that it could be, it wasn't bad, but it wasn't like super loving. I was still happy because I like loved myself. Yeah, I love that. But (laughs) I knew it wasn't supposed to be, but I just like settled anyway. And then, you know, he cheated on me several times and I found out about all the different women and all the different people all at once. Um, Yes. So we broke up and he moved out. I still have not seen him since I found out because he was in California living in the Blender bomb bus when I found out. What? Oh my gosh. Great. And I was like on my way to fly out there and meet him in the RV. And so I sold the RV. <laughs> so he became homeless. And um, <laughs> but I ended up date like I was single for the summer and you know doing all the personal development stuff. And then I started dating someone and it was just one of those when you know you know things. Um you know you, you yeah. just do. And I always people would say that and I was like okay whatever (laughs) and then it happens and you're like okay like zero absolutely zero questions that this is what's supposed to be and then we got pregnant by accident like eight months in (laughs) which is awesome we got married now I'm like 17 weeks wow and you got married literally like what five days ago yeah five days ago in the front yard it's beautiful so amazing oh my gosh what a happy ending and I don't want to gloss over the fact that you said you were single for the summer doing all the personal development because that's the thing most people don't do right they go from like you know bad relationship or like bad ending relationship into the next one and they don't do like the work on themselves and you don't find that like happily ever after unless you do the work 100 percent. and that's how blunderbomb started I was in a relationship with someone who I I was like super in love with like my first love and it was an awesome relationship but like toxic when it came to drinking and stuff like that and so we broke up and I did so it was the first time in my life I ever discovered personal development 
and I focus on personal development for like five months and then blender bombs happens. But I feel like when you give your time, yourself space to develop, the next best thing is going to happen. Absolutely. 100%. Now it's my turn to say 100%. And we're going to get you to a Tony Robbins event one time. I would (laughs) love I love him. Oh my gosh. It'd be so crazy. We, we, and that's the thing. Like you walk out of an event like that with like my husband, actually, like we were at a Tony Robbins event and he like came up to me at one point. He's like, I thought of something. And now he has like this totally other side to his business that like came to be in that moment where like your brain and your mind is open to it, you know? So love that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're going to get there. We'll get there together one day. Probably. Yeah. Well, although we're going to have to work around this baby. <laughs> well the baby will just like come. my mom will take care of the baby <laughs> yes, yeah oh thank my gosh you for having me absolutely girl thank you so much for being well, on we can do a discount code for your followers for oh blender. my gosh i would love that yeah yeah moira 10 okay and blenderbombs.com blenderbombs.com moira 10 there you go thank you for that oh my gosh i'm so excited oh, me too oh, thank you so much for being on That's a wrap. Oh, good gosh. I mean, so many takeaways, y'all. Thank you, thank you, thank you for tuning in yet again to the Low Bottom High Rise podcast. Make sure you're subscribed on the platform, Spotify and Apple Podcasts. We would love for you to leave a review. It helps to get the word out of the podcast and not only you can listen to these amazing stories, but the rest of the world as well. Thanks for joining, guys. 